We didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took players from the transfer portal. You know, those players and their families had to make a decision to either stay at that university just like any other player has to make or to enter the portal where then they can be recruited by anybody in the country. And that's up to those players and their families, and we have nothing to do with that. But once they, once a player gets into a, a portal where they are open to any school in the country, we would be crazy not to take a look at that and try to help our football team. And, and then on top of it for me, the, maybe the more emotional tie for me is these are guys that we recruited we got to know their families. We were a part of the, the entire process. You know, all of a sudden they were good enough for us to take at Oklahoma, but now we wouldn't give them a chance uh, just because we're at a new spot. I, I just that part never really made sense to me. Lincoln Riley shares his side of the story on the flagship Lincoln Riley Network, Colin Cowherd show, The Herd. That was last week. I saw that clip going around social media and every OU media person, every OU fan, it seemed like everyone had the same exact takeaway. Well, not surprisingly, my thoughts on those comments are a little bit different. And believe it or not, Grant's thoughts may not be as predictable as you may think they are if you've been listening to this show for the last three months or so. Welcome into West of Everest. I am Lee Benson. My co-host Grant Benson will join me here in a moment. This is the slow period of the year. It always is. The offseason is here. It's fresh in our minds. And there's not a lot going on. I know signing day was a couple weeks ago now. But as we say all the time, this is not a recruiting podcast. So you're never going to, to get a whole lot of signing day slash recruiting takes from us. Unless there's a really big story or one of us is just kind of burning on something and we want to get it off our chest, but I don't know if that's going to be the case today. Because it is slow, you may notice that the show is going to take a week off here, a week off there. For example, like last week, we weren't around. Uh, we'll keep you updated best we can on the West of Everest Facebook page of our schedule. And if you haven't given the page a like, go ahead and do that now, and uh, that'll help you stay connected with the show. You can also reach out to us on the West of Everest Facebook page if you have any thoughts or comments or takes or questions, anything like that. Also, I'm kind of curious, which podcast players do you guys use to listen to the show? And I ask that because I've recently switched over to Spotify. And you know, I previously, I had used the Apple iTunes app for podcast uh, for podcasts. But recently, I've grown annoyed with the layout, and I have noticed, and this is the big reason why I've switched, is that I would download an episode, and then the episode would delete before I've even listened to it, so I'd have to go back in there and re-download it over and over again, and it didn't happen with every podcast, but a few podcasts I listened to would just delete, and so I thought, okay, this is dumb. I'm switching over, and I'm trying Spotify right now, and so far, it's better. It's not deleting my podcast, so just curious what you guys listen to reach out to us on the west of everest facebook page let us know uh and and so i've noticed that when i go to the west of everest podcast on spotify we don't have any ratings and we don't have any reviews on spotify all of our ratings and reviews are on itunes so if you listen to the show on spotify and you like what we're doing feel free to leave us a five-star rating maybe even a review if you have the time I've been told that it's always good to have as many positive reviews as possible in order to help a show grow Another thing that helps this show grow is bringing on a man who spits hot takes like this text message that I got a couple of days ago, quote, last night's game was definitely one of the worst Super Bowls in recent memory, end quote. That man, of course, is Grant Benson. Grant, defend yourself. There's still a lot there. 
there's there's a lot there to tell. I mean, you're talking about Spotify and iTunes, and I have opinions on that too. And you just want to go directly into the Super Bowl. All right, we'll start start with the the, the first thing then, the Spotify iTunes stuff. We'll go we'll go uh, topic by topic here, and also not to mention we got Lincoln Riley stuff to talk about as well from the intro. But go ahead with the Spotify iTunes. What are your opinions on that? My opinion on that is the exact same one that you already communicated. I also I, I switched to Spotify, uh, Spotify full time for podcasts in like the fall, and it was for the exact same reason you did uh, the. Apple iTunes is just it's it's a disaster. It doesn't it doesn't work anymore. I don't know what happened. It like one day they changed the the format and the look of it all and I don't know why they did that because the look and everything was great. It was really easy, user-friendly and all of a sudden they had these all these different other categories and it just I I don't know who thought that was a good idea, who goes to the Apple iTunes podcast player now and it's like yeah this is exactly how i want to see things laid out the best i can say is that if you're somebody that listens to like one or two podcasts that's it it probably works just fine for you but if you listen to 10 15 20 or more podcasts like i'm like i do i don't i'm i don't know if you do as well but i listen to a lot of podcasts and so i i always want to make sure i keep them in order when they were released listen to them on you know on time as much and the itunes one makes it really difficult for that and spotify so far has has been better. So that's weird. I didn't know that you had that made that switch as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I had no idea that you could even that you could leave reviews on Spotify. I have not seen that at all on my Spotify app. So maybe you should download it, update it, because you definitely can. I go to the West of Everest thing and I see that we have Zilch, nada, nothing. It's like we don't even exist. But we do on iTunes. So we and we thank you all for leaving reviews and ratings on iTunes as well. All right, so the Super Bowl. Uh, you didn't like the game, huh? What a big fan of it. Did you lose a lot of money? Is that why? Did you did you I have lose the, a uh, lot of money? I, did you I have lost, the Rams minus the points? No, I had a couple. Uh, I had a couple. I, I had a Rams parlay going, and I had a I had a Bengals parlay going. Um, neither of them hit, but um, that's all right. No, I just thought there was. Um, I guess my my biggest problem is that just it's just so very obvious that there are no Los Angeles Rams fans, like at all. <laughs> There's just none. There was. The joy, like they had to, they had to keep like like all of like the joyous like images after the game on the field because there weren't any Rams fans in the stadium, like nobody. W- and so like the entire time, all I could think about was just like this is the Rams being in L.A. is just so empty and so just. I was like, it's perfect for L.A. I mean, perfect for L.A. I guess, but um, it just even when they're presenting the Lombardi Trophy and like they hold it up, it's like there's a muted fan response. It's just like there's no one there. It's like no one cares. But how could they? Like the, L.A. is, L.A. is, um, you know, is infamous for only caring about the Lakers and the Dodgers. That's just kind of been their mo forever. There's a reason why the Los Angeles Rams moved to St. Louis in the first place. Um, and it was just like it was. It always just kind of seemed like no one was asking for another team in L.A. Only like a team went there just because it just makes sense. It's like just from this narrative of our oh, the NFL, we're the biggest sports league in the entire world. We can't not have, you know, a team in our biggest city. And I, I kind of feel like that was always just sort of the the logic behind it. But one of my favorite parts about Super Bowls is uh, is fans being able to experience that and being able to to finally say that they did it. And it was just there's there's something about um, the Rams winning that game and it you know, relatively pleasing, really no Rams fans because they don't exist. Um, and then you have a Bengals fan base that has never won a Super Bowl, 
has kind of been mired in mediocrity the entire time. We used to live there, um, and it, I mean, they were very, very bad when we lived there. And um, there was just like, you know, I'm, I'm a big Cincinnati Reds fan, and so obviously like I, I follow a lot of people on social media who are just Cincinnati sports fans. And I, Bengals fans deserve to win that game. They really deserved it. Um, and I, it's, it's hard to say, like, the Rams obviously deserve just to win the game, just like on the field, but it's kind of the way that I think. I, I, it's, it's, it's too bad that there's just really no Rams fans that care to win. Or to win. There's really no Rams fans that, that care that that actually happened. And I think that's All one right. of the best parts about sports, and that game just didn't have it, I don't think. Okay, a, a lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack there. First off, I have some really good friends that are from L.A., live in L.A., and when the Rams were announced to be going there, going back to L.A., they told me, like, this is, like, nobody cares about football here. Like, that nobody cares. Like, it's going to be dead. And they're right. I mean, they're, sure, like, there are Rams fans, but, like, from the beginning of it, uh, the guy, the people that I know that live in L.A. and know the vibe of the city were like, yeah, there's a reason why there's not football here. Nobody is, nobody's going to care. So there's that. But another thing, though, when you mentioned that there was, you know, a muted silence and they had to keep the camera shots to the field. I don't know if that's because there was no Rams fans as much as it going to the Super Bowl now. You have to be a millionaire, apparently. I mean, it costs thousands of dollars to go to the game. And so any sort of generic Rams fan is going to have a difficult time going to that game anyways. I bet a lot of Bengals fans had a difficult time going because they probably thought, I'm not going to shell out three grand per ticket and you go with a group of, you know, maybe four. I mean, that's 12 grand plus the travel. Like, so, I mean, I think that's another issue of why hosting a game, you think, oh, man, they have home field advantage. Well, eh, not really. I mean, and, and I don't even know if, uh, I, I guess, Last year was a hard – you can't really compare last season because I know Tampa hosted. They were in the game, but it was the COVID Super Bowl, and it wasn't full, you know, and they did the whole thing where they had, like, cut, cardboard cutouts and stuff. So that wasn't a good apples-to-apples apples comparison of how many Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans got a chance to go there. I, I can't even remember that. And so then the, the last like, – I, I, when, I, when the game was in Minneapolis a handful of years ago, I think that was the Pats-Eagles game – and the Vikings were, I think, one win away from going to it. Maybe would it have been like would have would regular Vikings fans have been able to like go and make that an actual home field type game? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, because there's there's a lot of money in the Twin Cities, so you know you're and generally not a lot of transplants into the Twin Cities. So there, I mean, we've the Vikings are an are an exceptionally popular team in Minnesota. Like, I mean, they're a massive they massive deal in that state. So. I, but yeah, it, there, I guess it's just to sum up kind of just my, you know, my critiques from that game. It's just while I was watching it, there was just a certain emptiness that I felt the entire time. And it, it all had to do because of the Rams. I mean, that and where the game was being played. And I'm glad that you brought up the whole, it's only a game for rich people because it was just like, and of course, like, I, I think I saw a tweet before the game saying that it could have been from Darren Rovell or whatever, but he said that it was officially the most expensive uh, like game ever in the history of mankind. I mean, it was like the get in price was like three grand. Um, I mean, and there was, and so, yeah, it's just like, it's obviously that was going to happen when it was in LA. Of course, those, those prices were going to skyrocket in LA, but there's also people saying like of the people there that would actually had like fan rooting interest. I saw some people like guess that it was 70, 30 Bengals fans. And I, I'm just like, it's, that's just it's just weird to me is all like there there's there's something about it that that it feels like 
it feels like there's just a ton of mercenaries on the field for you know for the Rams who have no connection at all to the community and to the and the community has no connection to the the team at all. And um, and I'm sure I mean I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to this and being like ah who cares, uh, but it just to me it wasn't that fun of a game to watch because of that the there was it seemed like there was no atmosphere in the stadium. Um, seemed like I, I last year's game with a with a quarter full stadium felt more like a Super Bowl than Sunday's game did to me. See, I don't know about that. That that might be a recency bias because last year's game was not a good game. I mean, the Chiefs got blown out. Like it was, it was very one sided. I so thought like last, last year's game, game was a was lot more good. Uh, no, it wasn't. I, I thought it was a lot more entertaining, though. I mean, the only thing the last year's game kind of had going for it for being a blowout is that you, you thought, okay, Patrick Mahomes might be able to pull something out of his, you know what, at some time, but he just never did. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like I that. You're you're more into that stuff than I am. I I think every Super Bowl moving forward, for the most part, is going to be kind of uh, a sanitized environment. Not going to have a whole lot because everyone that goes is it's like very corporate. And but it's been that way for a while. Uh, and there just isn't any Rams fans. So I mean, whatever. I, I to me it, it was annoying because um, oh, and another reason why like the whole maybe that helped with the betting line as well because when the the number opened, I think it opened at three and a half. Quickly went to four. I thought for sure people were going to be coming in hard on the Bengals, and that line was going to go down to three. And so I went in right away at four. It went up to four and a half, and I think a lot of people were putting a lot of stock in the fact that the game was in L.A. and there was going to be a home game. And I knew going in or knew that, like, I don't know if the Rams are going to have a home field advantage. I mean, staying in their own city is is obviously a help, I'm sure, because they don't have to worry about traveling. But other than that, the actual game, I knew it wasn't going to be like a huge, loud crowd that was going to drown out all the Bengals uh, you know, um, snap count on the field, anything like that. And uh, so I in, ended up being the Bengals ended up covering. But uh, anyways, this is not a Super Bowl 56 podcast. This is an Oklahoma football podcast. And I want to talk a little bit about Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. And I played Lincoln Riley at the top of the show. And, you know, I, I do want to talk about that. But first, let's talk about Oklahoma. That's the school that we all watch every Saturday. We talk about from you know the start of the year to the end of the year, and even now, uh, a school that Lincoln Riley no longer has any affiliation with. Uh, and you know, good riddance to him. Uh, let's talk about Oklahoma's new head coach, and more specifically, the Sooners' new offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby. Brent Venables, everything he's done so far has been great. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but Lebby, we haven't heard much about, and so far, so good for Jeff Lebby. Here's the thing. He talked a couple weeks ago, and Grant, we do not have to worry about a sham quarterback competition this spring or this summer because Jeff Lebby said a couple weeks ago that Dylan Gabriel is Oklahoma's guy. It's over. It's done. Close the book on that. We're not going to be looking forward to a fourth-year veteran quarterback in Dylan Gabriel going against a true freshman in Nick Evers, duking it out for that starting job come week one. How do you like that? What do you think? Some pretty egregious uh, Ralph Rucker and Micah Bowen's erasure, but um, you know, I mean, you do you. Um, no, I mean it's it's nice. I, yeah, I guess it's a little refreshing. Um, of course, you know, I, I think I I was kind of been one of the ones in the fan base um, really beating the drum about how much about how uh, how much of a liar Lincoln Riley was and always was, um, and um, yeah, like hopefully that's not going to be the case moving forward. But um, I you know I I don't know. It's just like it's 
it's like one of those things where it's just like, yeah, it's like Lebby comes out and says, yeah, this guy's our starting quarterback, and that's just an utterly normal thing to say. That's something that happens in every program in the country, and like I just I find it odd, right, that the only reason why it's even you know it's even a story or something that we even find interesting is just because what the other guy did for the last five seasons, um, and <laughs> it's uh, yeah, and I like I, I still. You know, I still maintain that that whole bit with, you know, especially like with Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall, that was one of the most offensive things that has happened since I've been doing this podcast. Because it was like this is that was a, that was an example of Lincoln Riley just I, just pissing on everyone's faces and then telling them that it was raining. <laughs> and and, the, and, yeah. the, and you're right. Like and hey, and I think you you were the only one, I think, in the entire world who actually bought what he was saying. Um, but also. Yep. Yeah, that was the only one. Weren't yeah, you? No, I, pretty much. No, I no, I was. Yeah, it was. It was very embarrassing on my part. It was very embarrassing. Just we'll just erase that podcast from the uh, the podcast archives. We'll just get rid of that one. Nobody knows about that. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean that that whole thing was just the whole thing is just stupid. It's all dumb. And yeah, if 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 this is going to uh, if this is one step like in a positive direction to get less stupid and less dumb, you know, in the program, then awesome, man. But it's just like it's just. <laughs> It's funny because it's not a big deal. It's it's su- it's, it's it's a non-story that's made a story by just what the last guy did. Yeah, and and that was such a bizarre character trait of Lincoln Riley. And have fun, USC media. Granted, there probably isn't as many USC media people as there are Oklahoma media people, just because it's not as. I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's a premier traditional program, but. It's also in Los Angeles with a bunch of other stuff going on. This was always one of my arguments too: is that this is like, you know, Riley is going to is going to be able to get away with that stuff much easier in L.A. I think a lot of people think to themselves, "Oh God, L.A. It's like it's a it's a huge market. Like you know, professionally, you know, these these massive journalists from the L.A. Times, like other things. It, it none of that stuff's going to fly with those guys. No, it, it will because no one cares about USC football. There's going to be no one demanding answers to those." In fact, there's not really going to be a lot of people paying attention to it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a big deal at first because it's new. Uh, and if it starts out poorly, then, yeah, there'll be a little bit more scorn. But uh, I, I oh, never mind. I, I was going to say something, but I don't have the things to back it up. I, but, I, I mean, want to piggyback the, off this. Is, of this. This, this is the program that, that employed Clay Helton as their head coach for like seven seasons and let him get to seven seasons. This, I mean, this is if if the fan base was clamoring for a change and was really aggressive about it, it would have happened far before you know that last season with Clay Helton. I, I like this is. I don't know this whole thing. Okay, is so just silly. Since you mentioned Clay Helton, that's actually where I was going because I I, I do recall uh, Petros Papadakis. So some of you may recognize the name. He is a he's on you know Fox Sports One. He does. You know, college football games for them every once in a while. Uh, he played at USC. I always listen to him on the uh, Two Pros and a Cup of Joe podcast, which is the uh, – it's got Brady Quinn and uh, Jonas Knox and LeVar Arrington. And uh, I, you know, I, I listen to that show every single day because I find you know, the, the host pretty interesting. And they bring on Petros once a week. And, you know, Petros went to USC and he's out there in L.A. And, and he knows everything about USC and USC doesn't like him because Petros has no problems ripping on USC and criticizing USC because he doesn't like the way, you know, 
certain things have gone. And anyways, I bring that all up because he mentioned something I thought was pretty interesting uh, somewhat recently. He said, like, basically, you could kind of tell whenever Clay Helton's time was finally up because certain journalists and certain people in the media there finally started writing Clay Helton's not good stories. It's almost like there was a, a signal from USC's, uh, I don't know, their, their, I don't know if it's, a pre- it's the president or maybe the boosters or whatever that, okay, now, now it's time, now, now it's cool for you guys to, to go after this guy. And then, boom, just like that, he got fired in the middle of the year. And so, I mean, Petros is a guy if, that I've listened to him. I've, I've listened to his hits now for the last few years, and he knows a lot about USC. So it made me think, like, yeah, to your point, maybe some media people aren't going to necessarily go after certain people unless there is a, a thumbs up from people higher up within the USC food chain, uh, which is, you know, man, that, that speaks to a lot of, lot of other things. Like, uh, that just goes so many people so many people have their tentacles within that program and it kind of makes me think of texas in a way because you always talk about the texas boosters and how they have their tentacles and everything when it comes to hiring a coach and the decisions that are made and that whole program has not been anywhere near the same as it was since mac brown's been gone so uh, anyways I, I i think that lincoln riley will probably get a lot of grace for a good amount of time and it makes you wonder if things start to go negative which you think i mean the U, the pac-12 is not great he'll, he'll, i mean the first year they're going to probably come some slack because the recruiting class is not good and he's new and the, the roster is not that great you know but you know year two year three year four and, and that's when they you think they're going to be really good and you know at that point if he's not good maybe then you'll start to see some pushback getting way ahead of gonna, ourselves here you think he's going to kind of have a grace a grace period in year one because I I, do. The, the hype for him in the national media is is, is definitely obscene at the, at this point in time. Um, you know, people people coming out saying that they're dark horse playoff contenders and yeah, Joe know. Clatt. Yeah, Joe Clatt said that. Um, Joe Clatt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I we talked I, about I'm that on the sure. pod a couple weeks ago. I, I I I don't know about you know what it is with USC and boosters. I'm not sure if you know comparing them to texas is necessarily the right thing there because like obviously usc is going to have a lot of wealthy boosters but i think like i i don't i just i'm very skeptical that 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 they care that much about the football program um usc really i mean you're you go back to the 70s usc's had like 10 good seasons since the 70s there's just not a lot of institutional interest in the football team you're gonna need to fact check that that sounds like a, a ridiculous a ridiculous take. Only ten good seasons in the last like where 50 they've been years. Like, where they've been like USC. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on USC. I'm have to go fact check that. Like people, like people still think because, like, you know, people still like. I think especially now, like people who are close to our age, people who are in their 40s. A lot of people think of USC just at, from the Pete Carroll days. A lot of people easily forget that before Pete Carroll, they were they went through a pretty a really rough downturn, like in a lot of ways worse than the than OU's 90s downturn. Um, and then since Pete Carroll has been gone, I mean, what have they been other than just mediocrity? I mean, you can, I mean, I know they won one Pac-12 championship and won one Rose Bowl. Um, or no, it, it wasn't even a Pac-12 championship. Or I guess they did last year in the COVID season. Uh, but they won one Rose Bowl with Sam Darnold. But really since then, you know, uh, other than that, since Pete Carroll has left, they've, them in Texas have pretty much been the same program. All right, let's count up all of the 10-win 
10 plus win seasons for USC since 1970. One, two, three, four, five, six. A pretty big drought from uh, 1988 to right before Pete Carroll got there. But then you get to 2002 and you got 11 win season, 12 win season, 13 win season, 12 win season, 11 win season, 11, 12. So they've, they've had more than, than 10 good seasons. They probably had closer to 20. The, the Pete Carroll era, they were a monster. They were a mon- I mean, they were, you know, in a lot of ways, they sort of, um, they foreshadowed the, the Nick Saban dominance at Alabama. That's what we, and <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, th- th- those of us who were, you know, who were watching during the Pete Carroll era and those who were sentient and remember it, it's crazy to think Saban's Alabama teams are so much better than those USC teams. It's crazy to think that that's the case. Yeah, very, uh, very interesting. So I, I do want to transition to we're talking about. I think you made a good point. Jeff Lebby just saying that Dylan Gabriel is a quarterback. It's not a big deal. Of course he is. It, it's who else is it? I mean, I think Lebby made the point that he's the only guy in the roster that's thrown a college pass at this point, uh, or like at least a, a meaningful college pass. Scholarship. He's the only scholarship player to throw a. Rucker okay. threw some passes against uh, whatever that FCS team they played. I can't remember. I uh, can't either. Um, how quickly it goes away. So I saw a column from Barry Trammell from yesterday on February 15th. And the headline was Jeff Lebby's honesty about Dylan Gabriel is quite refreshing from OU football. And the premise is kind of what we've been talking about here so far on the podcast is that his first media availability uh, provided you know, the info that Dylan Gabriel is a quarterback. Uh, there's no BS coming from him about any sort of fake competition coming up. And in Barry's column, he hits on all the Lincoln Riley quarterback competition things that Grant, you've already had on a little bit so far in the show. And he even brings up a, a few instances where Bob Stoops, and he was the head coach, would wait a, a, to name the starting quarterback when he could have easily named one earlier. And so I want to hit actually on the end of Barry's column uh, because his thoughts are just are pretty similar, if not exactly the same as what you and I have been saying, or most, you know, mostly you've been saying on this show about Lincoln Riley really for years. And so this is Barry Trammell's column. This is kind of the last few paragraphs. He says, quote, tell the truth and people, players, fans, media tend to trust you more. When Riley tried to tell us that Austin Kendall was pushing Kyler Murray, nobody bought it. So in some ways, it wasn't even a lie. If everyone knows you're lying, it's more joking than misleading. But when you don't tell the truth, you make us all wonder if you ever tell the truth. Say the offense is just a smidgen off, and maybe we believe it, maybe we don't. Say the defense has a bunch of young talent that just needs to develop, and only the moonstruck are swayed. Say that Austin Kendall is in the same class of quarterback as Kyler Murray, and nothing you say can be trusted, even that the sky is blue. I don't know if this is the new policy at Oklahoma. Venables always seemed like a straight shooter when he was Stoops' lieutenant for 13 years. Sometimes guys change when they have the big office. Sometimes the pressure of the job makes them act differently. But for now, straight honesty rules the day. If it holds, I'm looking forward to it. End of the column. So I think that was a pretty good job by Barry Trammell summing everything up there, Grant. What do you think? No, I mean, that's, that's really nice to hear. And um, just going deeper than that, him being, you know, 
I, I'm glad that he brings up the fact there that you know him being dishonest, it does. It creates a wedge between him and the fan base. And that creates a wedge between the fan base and the program. The fan base is what keeps the program going, or one of the major, major things that keeps the program going, generates interest in the program. And when you have a coach that is not being truthful about the state of the program and is misleading about the program, there's obviously going to be some conflict there. And maybe that's why, you know, maybe that's why I would get kind of emotionally hot when stuff like this would occur, when it was obvious that he was lying. And maybe looking back to it, you remember, you know, when the, the whole LSU stuff was going on and he had the, the non-answer answer in the midweek press conference where he says, hey, you know how I feel about this place. It was his past lies that made me feel weird about that because he didn't answer the question. And he, and he had a very long history of misleading people. And so, um, yeah, and like, I'm glad, you know, he says, as if, if this is what it's going to be, and I don't know, I don't know how Lincoln Riley's going to do at USC. I don't know how Brent Venables is going to do at Oklahoma. But yeah, if like, if the only thing that happens out of this is that it just gets some, some guy who is not truthful about the program. And if he's not truthful about the program, that means he really doesn't have the program's best interest at heart. In my, in that, in my view, um, then yeah, this is a positive thing either way. Um, I'm, I'm sick. I, I'm sick of the misleading. I hate that crap. It's BS. It's unnecessary. There's no reason to do it. And like, it's, and I can, I can now very, very safely say that I care much more about the Oklahoma football program than Lincoln Riley does. I, I think that's very obvious. And so it's just yeah. like when he's up there for five years lying through his teeth, that's offensive. So that guy can, on, yeah, he can, he can sit on it. Get out of here. Okay, Potsy, a timely reference there from <laughs> I don't even know hey. when Happy Days aired. That show, show came out before we were even alive. Uh, it just shows our range here on West of It was Everest. on Nick at Night Couple all things. the time. Nick at Night all the time, growing up. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, that's how we know about it. See, you were correct in hindsight to be skeptical of what he was saying about the LSU stuff. And you know, your, your uh, antenna went up. And again, in hindsight, it was... I mean, you were right about it. And I would say that, yes, we all knew that he was unnecessarily stretching the truth and not being forthcoming with a lot of things within the program when it came to you know, position battles and how the, the team was doing. And I think a lot of us, and at least in, from my perspective, I saw that as, well, that's just Lincoln Riley's thing, and it's strictly football-based. I, I didn't think it was really going to, I guess – seep out into everything else and to your point like, like you've been saying for years if, if you're willing to lie about little things and small things and just not go you know not be fully transparent about things that don't really matter then why do I expect you to be truthful when it comes to actual things that matter and big things and yeah you called it you were right I mean he he gave the the answer non-answer um, he never he never directly when it came to leaving the program he never directly lied about that he just said half truths he misleads that's not lying he, he just, misleads yeah he, he uh whereas you know when it came to quarterback stuff obviously saying that austin kendall and kyler murray are, are, are in a, a battle and you're not going to name a court i mean that's just okay come on man that's that's dumb and, and you can throw in the jalen hurts versus tanner mordecai situation as well i mean jalen hurts transferred over from alabama <laughs> to play quarterback for lincoln riley and it's just come on man uh so, yeah, it's yeah, you're you're right to be skeptical and, and ended up getting to the it's point a, now where he's gone. And honestly, like I'm 
no games have been played in the 2022 season, so it's a lot easier to say this now than it, than it may be in uh, November of this year. But he's gone, and I'm I'm happy he's gone. I'm glad he's gone because uh, it, it will always be that he clearly was not fully bought in, so therefore glad that he's gone. When it comes to wins and losses, that's to be determined. We don't know about that. We don't know how Brent Venables is going to do. I obviously think he's going to do very, very well. And, and I do think Riley's going to do well at USC as well. Uh, but to put the fan hat on, as much as I don't like to do that here on this podcast very often, I hope he does not do well. <laughs> I, I hope he does not do well, and I hope he gets humbled. Yeah. Do you have something um, else you I'm, want to say? Yeah, yeah fully, you know, emo- emotionally, I, I mean, I feel the same way. I, you know, going back to that, it's going to be really interesting to see, um, does does the secrecy continue when he's at at USC? Is he going to be closing practices making sure people can't watch from dorm rooms and stuff like that. That's going to be interesting to find out. Um, is it, you know, is he going to, is he going to play the stupid, the same stupid quarterback games with Caleb Williams in the summer saying like, Nope, he, Caleb is still battling for the job when everyone knows that it's not, uh, that's going to be something to, to look, to watch right away. If he's still saying that Caleb is competing for the job, you know, this dude hasn't changed his stripes like at all. He's still the same dude. So, um, going to be really interesting to watch that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, you know, with the you know the the 2021 season with in con- context now and just kind of all of the stuff that's trickled out since he's left yeah i mean i i'm i feel much better about where the program is and like the staff that they have the people they have in that building than i did in november of this year for sure um and of course that's me and i i still like it's 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 hard for me not to appreciate still that he went 55 and 10 at oklahoma that's not something that you should dismiss that is evidence that he is a good coach. He is going to do probably some good things at USC. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly a part of me that's just like, man, I hope all of this stuff that's kind of bubbled over and has come out since is him, and I hope it is sort of his his downfall there. It's that that feel good. It feel nice. It'd be very validating as as an OU football fan. But um, and I, I you know I, I was talking to this you know I, I was talking to you about this, but um, there's a part of me too is that you know I'm part of me that's really frustrated hearing all of this stuff that's coming out you know about him since he's left and thinking to myself I was like man it's it's really unfortunate this stuff didn't trickle out and didn't leak out you know at other times during his tenure at OU because if it had the 2021 season while it was happening would have made a lot more sense would have made so much more sense and like I'm I I don't know I'm, I'm just kind of what if people knew that this stuff was going on, like, and there were issues before, like, and I get, like, I understand that people want to maintain access, and I understand that they were still winning Big 12 championships, but if there was stuff behind the scenes that a lot of, that was giving people pause, that a lot of people weren't comfortable with, and then the 2021 season started kind of going sour, and it definitely looked like they weren't taking the steps, they weren't doing well, all of that information, it would have been very pertinent to come out before any of this happened. That's all I'm saying. Well, the, the, I mean, who has that information, though? That's that's the question. I mean, Riley was so tight lipped and it's, that's fair. That's fair. It's, it's very difficult to. Yeah, to I mean, like I know I know some people that that could reach out and get some pretty good direct access into that program. Uh, and they at least telling me or, you know, I, you know, they didn't tell me anything. And so, I mean, it, it makes you wonder like what were their questions? And it's one of those things where the people that I know knew about certain things, but then obviously they didn't tell me and they, and they didn't report it. Or was it that 
questions weren't asked and just never came up? Or is it that legitimately uh, only a very select few amount of people could could give you real details about what was going on behind the scenes? I mean, when you, you t- I think you referenced the uh, you know Gabe Eichert and Teddy Lehman earlier. I mean, they obviously work for the school. They're former players. You would think they'd have incredible access, which they do. But listening to their podcast since Brent Venables has been there, it, it, it kind of comes off, and they may have said this directly or not. Or, uh, I'll just say that like, it, you certainly can infer from what they say that, that even though they were former players, they, they didn't quite have the kind of access that you would expect former players to have within that program. And now with Brent Venables, I mean, they played for, or at least Teddy played for him. I mean, they're going to have, like, I mean, heck, Teddy, and I mean, they can, they can call Brent. I mean, they can talk to him whenever he wants. They can talk to right. like, all these people they played with and know. The yeah. classic example that you know that I've heard—I don't know if they've directly mentioned it, but the class—and I think it may have been a, a sooner scoop thing—but Lincoln Riley wouldn't let Teddy and Gabe go to practice, um, and that's just—it's—it's it's utterly nonsensical. What is what like? What is the reason for doing that other I than mean, you're they, paranoid? It, it wouldn't be, uh, and I'm just saying this because I—I know Dusty Dvorak and talking to him, like he would be able to go to practice and stuff, but it—it—it kind of sounds like it's not like a hey, you can just drop by whenever you want. It was almost kind of like, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume a lot of programs, a lot of coaches, if you're a former player, you can probably just drop in whenever you want. I mean, I'm sure there's some courtesy things of like, hey, just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to come by today or, or whatever. But I, I got the gist or I got the sense from talking to Dusty that uh, like he couldn't just kind of go whenever he wanted. Granted, I could be wrong about that. Maybe maybe if he, if he wanted to go every time, he, he could have. Uh, but I think that's kind of maybe the gist that you kind of got from either. I, yeah, I can't remember if it was either Teddy or Gabe that said it or if it was Carrie or, or guys on the Sooners Group podcast. The point being is that it, it wasn't as wide open to players and people that you would think would have all this access because they're, they're, they're you. They're part of your program. I mean, it's, it's there. It's it, like this is like that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand about college football. This program belongs to a lot of people, belongs to a lot of people. This program belongs to Gabe and Teddy. They played for it. They bled for it. You know, they they put in a lot of work for it. Like this, like this this concept of of being so secret that you're not even going to let former players in, whose absolute number one priority and goal is just the betterment of the program and it being in good hands and it being in good shape. That's all they care about. That's all they want. Just like the rest of us. And like just this yeah. idea, what what are they going to do? They're going to like release secrets to people? Like, are you freaking kidding me? They want. They, yeah, they is, want to win more than that you is do. That's insanity. <laughs> it's, it certainly seemed like it a lot of the times. Um, we were talking about this the other night, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll say on this until we talk about what he talked about on Colin Cowherd's show. You know, I always tell you, and, and every time OU plays Texas, I, you know, I, I, I understand it's a rivalry. I get that OU Texas is a huge game. It's a cool atmosphere. Everyone should always go. But when it comes to actually talking about Texas. And frankly, caring about Texas, I, I don't. I, I, I don't think they're interesting. I think they're irrelevant. They haven't been good in years. And I just don't spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, man, Texas got this guy on the recruiting trail like, over OU. I, I don't care. Right? Talk to me whenever they're good because they haven't been good in a decade. And I'm in the minority on that big time, I think, when it comes to Oklahoma. Oh, you fans. are. It's, Texas is utterly fascinating. Which, I, Texas is about as boring to me as the Dallas Cowboys are boring to me. I, I, just, I don't get it. I, I say all that to say this. USC now moving forward is that for me. I am interested in USC. I am, I am looking forward to 
following USC closer than I have ever followed a non-OU school. Like, I'm not going to follow them, obviously, as close as OU, but I will check in on USC and see how it's going because I am interested. So I, I guess whatever everyone has with Texas for whatever reason, like, in a way, I'm going to kind of have a version of that with USC. But I think I have a good reason because Lincoln Riley did an unprecedented thing, and I'm super interested to see how he handles that program and his growth or lack thereof moving forward. Because if he goes there and does things that we maybe clamored for and like evolves and changes and it makes USC better and actually makes them into, you know, a playoff contender and they win a playoff game doing certain things that we were always like, why don't they adjust? Why don't, why can't he figure this out? And he does it there and they end up winning a playoff game and, and God forbid win a national title. That'll end up making me in the longer really mad <laughs> because it shows that he had it in him. He just didn't do it. He didn't care enough to do it. Granted, to be fair, as you get older and you get more experience and you get more games and seasons under your belt and you learn things, obviously there's more of a chance that you can evolve and get better and change. And he's still super young. So that could factor in as well if he does change. But a big thing for you and I and a lot of people that follow Oklahoma, at this point in his career, he's pretty egocentric. Like he doesn't, he's the smartest guy in the room. And he didn't change a whole lot of things. And so I'm kind of banking on that being his personality. And we'll see if over time it does evolve and, and it does change. But that's going to be the thing that I'm interested in watching. And obviously how USC does and how the defense plays. Because <laughs> that will always be a thing. And then another thing as well, you talked about it months ago whenever he left, the whole injury situation. Because you're, you're convinced that Oklahoma had way more injuries than everybody else. We'll see. It'll be fun to kind of check out USC's injury situation compared to how you uh, Oklahoma's doing with injuries moving forward as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll, like, uh, you're right. I mean, the whole injury thing for me may just be totally too close to the program because I had very similar, you know, opinions when Jerry Schmidt was here in his first tenure as well, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely be, you know, want to watch for that. But, um, yeah, hey, I'm glad at least, uh, I'm glad there's at least part of you that can see why someone would be, so much interested in another program um but yeah i mean i'm, I'm right there with you like I'm, I'm gonna be following usc pretty closely and you know i typically wouldn't but like and you bring this up this i and I brought this up numerous times over the last three months this is unprecedented this has never happened in the history of college football these circumstances of lincoln riley moving where he's going that's never happened and so it's it's, it's going to provide a really fascinating test to see that we are we're literally going to be able to compare them side to side and it's going to be it's even going to be more interesting knowing that OU's roster is still primarily made up of guys that Lincoln Riley recruited and um really just really interested to see what what another coaching staff can do with those same guys i mean that's that's fascinating yeah. is it not I mean, it really is and so you know i'm i don't know if it's as i don't know if it's as fascinating as you know the 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 richest athletic department in the in the country texas with the most football obsessed state and a maybe the like the biggest alumni base an alumni base that really really cares about football big time and they just can't get it right i that's that's pretty fascinating pretty interesting that's that's why people are interested in texas does texas's alumni base really really care about football i think so yeah really is that a thing that they're no because i always kind of thought that that was they're kind of more of the uh, maybe i'm just kind of i'm uh thinking of the city of Austin and just kind of how it's become super 
corporate and it's grown so much. Maybe I'm just kind of uh, using that as a proxy for the the football program, which maybe is not fair. I don't know. I, just, I, I mean, I, I again, maybe this is because we're so close to the program. I, I've always, I would, I would definitely bet that Oklahoma's fan base is a lot more passionate about football than Texas's fan base. But again, maybe I mean, that's Texas's a, a fan base is Homer a thought. Texas's fan base is just significantly larger. Um. Hmm. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, you know, Texas is Texas cares just as much as the Ohio States, the OUs, the SEC teams of the world. I, you know, they're they fit right in in that regard. Uh, it's just that's why it's fat because they just can't figure it out. They have more resources than anybody else. They're in the most fertile state for recruiting. They can't figure it out. It's great. I love it. It's wonderful. Feed it to me consistently. And I know this is uh, not a scientific way to measure things, but uh, yeah, you go to Twitter. And you look at how many people follow the certain teams. And I just looked it up. So Oklahoma is at 668,000 followers for OU football. Texas football, 322,000. So, like, Oklahoma's got more than double the amount of followers on Twitter. Yeah, OU also, so. though, had, like... OU also has one of kind of the the bigger social media followings. And a lot of it had to do with Lincoln Riley and how he just sort of revolutionized what OU was doing on social media. One of the interesting things about him going to USC, he's not going to be able to do that at USC because OU fans are going to absolutely flood everything that he does. Yeah, I wonder if there's an easy way for us to see how many followers Oklahoma had you know gained since Riley took over as the head coach in you know the five years. Because by the way, USC <laughs> sixty seven thousand Twitter followers. <laughs> And I mean, again, not not scientific. Uh, you know, most people on Twitter are young, and honestly, very few people in general are on Twitter. But like, it, it provides a some sort of, I guess, quantity, you know, some I'm, sort of measurement. I'm just saying, like the first, you know, the first game that Lincoln Riley loses next season, and you no, know, he's going to lose multiple. Um, it's 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 going to be greeted by people in LA with just a shoulder shrug. Most people aren't even going to know what happened. So let's transition now to what he said on the herd. I think it was last week, and we played the the most interesting bite for the intro today. So if you want a refresher on what he said, just, I guess, go back to the beginning of the show and, and play it. But I'm sure you all know what he said. Um, he said that he didn't take players from Oklahoma. He took players from the transfer portal. And I think that was the line that got a lot of Sooners fans all revved up. And you saw a lot of Oklahoma media members tweeting about that that day and, you know, kind of rolling their eyes. And so, you know, I want to dive into this, Grant, and, and look at all the nuance of the situation and, and not jump to conclusions. Because I, I like to – because when everyone's kind of got the same take, I always kind of want to sit back and be like, okay, hold on. Let's – maybe there's something more here. Now, every once in a while, there's something that's just like, yep, that's, that's the – I hate the thought of a correct take, but sometimes there's just things that are, yep, that's that's it, and there's not a whole lot of thinking. But for this one, everyone kind of had the same kind of thoughts, and I, and I didn't. And so I just want to sit back and try to think about it and then understand at the same time everybody else's perspective on it. And usually when it comes to Lincoln Riley and him leaving, you and I have been on the same page, but also a lot of times not on the same page when it comes to it. I think there's a lot of layers to this, and I want to try to break them all down here. And so I'll start with this. Like, why are people mad about this? And here's, and like, I'll bounce this off of you, and you can, you know, tell me where I'm going wrong or if you agree. Do 
a lot of people, and by a lot of people are like OU fans, uh, supporters, media, like anybody that knows anything about Oklahoma that's been following them, that's close to the program. Do they think that Riley immediately reached out to Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, Latrell McCutcheon, like right when he got the USC job or, I mean, soon after and said, hey, guys, come come to USC and, and play with me or and, you know, play for me here. Is that, do you, is that what people think, I guess? Is that why people are mad? What do you think? I don't know if that's the sole reason that people are mad, but yes, I do believe that people think that, and I think that. I think the, I think the chances that Lincoln Riley <laughs> followed like the rules of the transfer portal probably, I, I don't find that particularly believable. Where I will, where I'm not going to take the next step is I, I, don't, I don't think that is at all weird or I think everyone's probably doing that I I don't think there's anything that I the 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 biggest problem you know that I had with it is that it's just it's just tone deaf it's just it's it's just it's Riley misleading again it's just like him he's just like oh how can I how can I massage this to make this not sound as bad as it as it looks and he just thought to himself oh this is really clever I'm gonna say this okay so I agree that line is it makes you want to roll your eyes because he didn't have to say that. He could have, and I guess I haven't thought of you know what I would have said if I was him. Um, I, and again, I am a lot more naive when it comes to a lot of these things with trying college football. I just, I just think it would be a really dumb thing to do, to obviously you know break the rules like NCAA rules like immediately when you're going to a new school, and all it takes is a player. A, a college kid to say something like, oh yeah, Lincoln, like to say something like off the cuff. They didn't think of like, like, oh, I, I talked to Lincoln in, uh, you know, before Christmas or, it, and like, or to put a text out there. I just think it would be really dumb to do that, to, to reach out and basically incriminate yourself or, or get, give yourself a chance to get caught in a rule violation when you know that when you recruited these guys, they obviously, I mean, I'm going to get like Caleb Williams, Mario Williams were kind of a package deal from what I remember. Like, especially when it comes to Caleb Williams, like when you're Lincoln Riley, you don't, I don't know. Like there's a pretty good chance he's going to want to come play with you, play, play with you at USC because he came to Oklahoma because of you. And so I just think, it again, I'm maybe I'm super naive. I just don't think that he was, calling these guys and be like, hey, guys, hey, how's it going, man? Like, so um, you should come play with me here at USC. I, I, I just think that would be really dumb because you can get in trouble so easily. Granted, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't care about NCAA rule violations. Maybe USC told him that, eh, you, we're good. You'll be all right. I just think, like, all it takes is Caleb Williams talking. Granted, I guess that would make, mean that Riley would let them talk. <laughs> or, uh, you know, Mario Williams talking, just saying off the cut, like, hey, like, when did, uh, you know, like, how was your, uh, you know, like your, your time in Oklahoma? Like, when did you come to your decision? Just like mindlessly saying like, oh, yeah, you know, I talked to Lincoln like after Bedlam, you know, or something like that. And then uh, boom, you're caught. I, I think there's a I think there's an understanding in this world that you just you don't publicly talk about any sort of recruiting measures. Yeah, I think that's understood amongst pretty much everybody in the sport, in the institutions, in the programs. You just don't. That stuff is privileged information. And you know, I mean, we can have a conversation about whether or not that's good, whether or not that's right. And I think there's, you know, there's parts of that that I think are just human nature. 
Um, but no, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, high profile coaches have been talking about tampering in the transfer portal ever since this thing became a thing. And, uh, there was, I, you know, OU got accused of tampering when they got Mike Woods last year. And so there's probably, there's probably some fire there, probably some smoke there. Okay. Um, and, okay. um, fair. I guess like, I, I just, yeah, it's, you know, that part doesn't bother me as much. Um, it's, I mean, it's still not like it's. It's still not like cool. It's not within the rules, um, but yeah, I guess it just doesn't animate me as much. I, I I don't you know what's the difference between you know talking to Latrell McCutcheon, you know, two weeks before he enters the transfer portal and on the day he enters the transfer portal. There's really no difference at all. So yeah, okay, so yeah, let's 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 move past that then because I got other parts of this story because that's the thing. It, it comes down to the OU players wanting to go to USC and 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 play for Lincoln Riley. I mean, don't those guys have autonomy over their decisions? Uh, I mean, who's to say, even if he didn't reach out to them, which again, there's, if there's evidence of that, we're never going to get it. But let's say like, like Lincoln Riley said, like they went to the portal and at that time they got into the portal and Riley was like, Hey, reached out to these guys. Like, yeah, we got a spot for you. If you want to come here, who's to say that they were like, great. I'd I'd love to come play for you. Uh, Like to me, it's, it's, it's the player's decision, which that's the main reason why it doesn't really bother me because like, you, you can't prevent these guys from transferring. And again, we, if, if you want to maybe prevent this from happening, like we've talked about before in the show, then maybe go back to the, the thing where if you transfer, you have to stay out of here. And that could deter some people from wanting to transfer. So and my thing is like, I, I don't get that bothered by it because clearly these players wanted to go play for Lincoln Riley. And so whether or not he reached out to them right away or waited and like, it doesn't really matter to me because it's up to the players to go there. It doesn't, it doesn't bug me because those three guys who follow don't want to be at OU. I, it, I mean, it is, that is what it is. The, the whole Caleb Williams saga bothered me just because of how, just because of how, how little he cared about anyone else during the entire process. That's, that's why it bothered me. Um, Mario Williams and Latrell McCutcheon, whatever, man, they go like you didn't, they weren't super vocal or anything about it. They just went, that's where they want to be. And that's fine. Um, and I guess kind of where I am, is just like, yeah, like obviously like, you know, I've said numerous times how upset I am about how all this, how all this, you know, went down and, um, but also at the same time, like once it happened, it happened and I have no problem with somebody trying to be competitive within the rules. Like, I mean, the rules say that those guys can go to USC and not sit out a year. And, um, that's fine. And like, I've always kind of, um, I've always kind of defended Lincoln Riley with stuff like this. Um, I defended him really fiercely when he was blocking Austin Kendall's transfer. Uh, big, I I really defended it. Um, I'm, I'm okay with coaches doing things within the rules, even if it like for competitive reasons, even if it doesn't look great on the surface, he's trying to win football games. I totally, I, I get it. I'm like, screw the guy. He can, he can F off, but whatever he wants to, he wants to do whatever he wants to do within the rules to win football games competitively that's fine with me in fact it it, it lights a little bit of fire under me it makes me want to beat him more yeah so that perfectly transitioned us to the next part of this that i wanted to get at like he's trying to win football games um if all three of those players that are now at usc if they wanted to follow Riley, you know, like wherever he went and, you know, again, like Riley followed the rules, whatever, like some people think he didn't. Some people like I, I again, there's no evidence that he didn't. So that doesn't really matter to me. Uh, 
they're there. Like when the guys, like either when Riley reached out to them and said, you know, hey, you guys can come here, or let's say even Caleb Williams or Mario Williams, like they reached out to USC and said, hey, Lincoln, do you have any spots for me? To your point, why should Lincoln Riley tell those players, no, you can't come here? Because like, of course he wants them. They're going to benefit his program. And so I asked that to lead into this next one. Are people mad about that? Because as far as Oklahoma is concerned, Brent Venables has not accepted any Clemson transfers. That's definitely part of it. I think that's that's very clearly part of it. And um, hey, like yeah, you know, Venables not accepting any any Clemson players. It's admirable. I think it's admirable from like a principled, you know, and a human being situation. As a competitor, I hate that so much. And if there's like if if there's guys from Clemson who want to come to OU, man, I'm all for it. I don't I don't give two craps about what that says about Clemson or or what it does to Clemson. This is like super highly competitive stuff here. Exactly. And that is the next thing that I want to bring up that I don't think anybody's really thinking of because just because Brent Venables has not accepted any transfers from Clemson at this time, like let's say after spring ball, Venables, he finds out that one or two or more, whatever, like starters for Clemson's defense who played for him at Clemson reach out and they're like, hey, coach, like we'd love to transfer and play for you at Oklahoma. You know, like maybe they went through spring ball at Clemson without Venables to give it a shot and they didn't like where things were going. They didn't like where they stood. They didn't like where the team was and they just want to play for Brent Venables. That's maybe that's why they went to Clemson because they wanted to play for Brent Venables. Does Brent Venables at that point tell those players no? Uh, I mean, like, maybe it's not even after this spring. Maybe, maybe it's after the 2022 season, and it's the off season. It's it's a year from now, and a Clemson player went through an entire year without Venables, and now like, maybe a starter, a starter or two, is like, hey, you know, I, I went through the whole year, and I really would love to come and play for Venables at Oklahoma for the 2023 season. At that point, does Venables, because it's a player that played for him at Clemson, does he say no? Sorry. You can't come here. Like, maybe, maybe he would do that. But to your point, at what point is, you know, if that's what happens, is he hurting Oklahoma by not accepting players that could help out the program? Because, I mean, that's all Lincoln Riley is doing at USC. He's getting players from Oklahoma. That'll help out Lincoln Riley, sure. But it's also going to help out all of the guys in that USC locker room. And that's what Riley's job is, right? That, that's what he was hired to do. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to put a bow on it, I just, I don't. Philosophically, I don't have any issue with, with Riley taking the guys that he did. It's within the rules. My issue is, like, and I've said it. I, I hate the one-time transfer rule. I, I don't like it. I think, <laughs> I, I don't think you should be able to freely transfer. I think you should if your coach leaves. Um, but no, I mean, I, I just, I don't. And like, whatever. Yeah, I, I guess I'm for people being able to make their own decisions and having free. Like, I, yeah, like that's, that's like an abstract idea that of, of course, like I, I am, I'm in favor of. Um, but you know, it's, I, you know, the rules are supposed to serve the institution. Yeah. I, I it's, it's interesting because Brent Venables, he has set a standard so far that he's not taking Clemson transfers. And like you said, I think that's really admirable. Uh, but that is his decision. Like if time goes by and that standard 
holds up for the next, I suppose, three years or so, like however long it goes while there's players in Clemson's program that played for Brent Venables, if, if that standards, you know, holds up and he doesn't take anybody and maybe he finds out that uh, players did want to come and, and play for him at Oklahoma, then I'll come on this podcast and I'll say, I, I might change my mind and say, you know what, what Lincoln Riley did by accepting those guys was BS. Because if, you know, if Brent Venables went through this whole thing with his admirable stance and maybe it's a gentleman's agreement type thing with players and like he could have done it, but he didn't, then you're know, like, good for him. Uh, it, it'll just be one of those things where, again, like Riley did it within the rules and like I don't fault him for it right now. But like over time, if if we find out that that Venables could have done it and he didn't, it's like, well, you know, like that, that, that certainly is a, a guy that has has a little bit more principles maybe than Lincoln Riley sure. does. Granted, I guess he's not Riley's not breaking any principle with this. He's, he's working within the rules. Oh, he's being it's Lincoln Riley, kinda, man. He's just he's being Lincoln yeah, Riley. Yeah. This is like, and that's and the this thing. This is something is like, that Venables decided to do. And yeah, I mean, it was, you know, we we all cheered when Mike Woods came here. We all cheered when Eric Gray and Wanya Morris and Key Lawrence came here. And I'm sure those other fan bases were upset. And, and obviously the, the dynamic is different with, with Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. I guess, yeah, I just, I don't, if, if anything about the whole coward appearance, it was just the whole him saying, you know, it was a Lincoln Rileyism is what it is. And we now know just with the context of the five seasons, it's very easy to roll our eyes at that. Just like, Oh God. Okay, dude. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is like, whereas if, if, if I was, if I was advising Lincoln Riley and he was, you know, he thought that that would come up during the, the, the herd pod or uh, interview, I would have told him, yeah, did you need to own it and embrace it? Just say, yeah, I, I took him. That's what we're going to do. We're trying to win games. That's what he should have done. Would have, would have, I would have, I, I mean, that would have been much more self aware and it would have been true. See, I have an issue with, with saying I took them. I think you have to say, hey, listen, they wanted to come play for me. Yeah, yeah, and sure. So of course sure. I said, yes, come on over. Because when you say I took them, it, the implication to me is that you, you forced these guys to come play with you, but they, they wanted to stay at Oklahoma. That, even though that's maybe that, that's not really what it means. That's what it sounds like to me. Like I, I took these guys with me. Well, I wasn't saying like, verbatim. Oh, they, that's what he should say. I'm just saying he should he should embrace it. He should embrace sure. like that. He should like yeah. If you're if if you're Lincoln Riley and you don't understand at this point why Oklahoma fans are upset at you, you're just you don't have any self awareness uh, awareness at all. I think I yeah. think Lincoln Riley has self awareness. I think he understands why OU fans are upset with him, and I think he's ashamed about it. And he just he, what he should do is he should just. You should just embrace it and move on. I, I mean, I, I would have really respected him a lot more, except he just he did his he did his usual. I'm Lincoln Riley. I'm smarter than everyone else, and this sounds really clever. And so I'm going to say it. Makes me wonder how long he workshopped that, or if that was something he just came up with. Um, did uh, he and no? Not going to go there. That's that's not. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Last thing on this that poses question to you. Let's say that Lincoln Riley would have told. Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, and Latrell McCutcheon. Hey, like the same thing that Brent Venables, you know, apparently is is. I'm not sure if he said it to Clemson players, but I kind of had heard some maybe some rumors that maybe some Clemson guys were interested, but Venables was like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, like not sure if that's true, but you know, it's kind of interesting to, to, to think about if it, if it is true. Uh, let's say if those guys reached out to Riley or something like that. And Riley said, Hey guys, actually, sorry, you can't come to USC. I don't have a spot for you. I'm sorry. 
Do all three of those players stay at Oklahoma? Are they on the roster right now? I think it's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like there's no, there's no way to know. It seems like Mario was going to go wherever Caleb went. Um, and I think there was just, I, you know, Latrell McCutcheon, I think, had some issues with the coaching staff throughout the season anyway, um, which is weird because he went and joined the same coaching staff at USC. But um, I don't know. That's, a, that's, that, that's an apparently interesting hypothetical. For sure. Yeah. Apparently he has more issues with new cornerbacks coach Jay Valai than he did with I guess, yeah. you know, I don't, the previous you know, you can't, staff. Yeah, yeah you, you can't dig into their heads. My, my personal feeling is that Caleb Williams was going to be gone no matter what because he didn't want to be here. Um, but I also don't know. I'm not. I'm not 100 positive. That's that's definitely an interesting hypothetical, though. It is. It, it is because there's no way to know. And if they were going to be gone either way, I think then it's for those that are really mad at Lincoln Riley for quote unquote taking players. I I think it's not. I, I don't like. Would would you be less mad that you know if if they were gone from the roster if they just weren't at USC probably I guess but. Like, like, but you know, what if they were going to be gone no matter what? Oh, I'd be That's way more upset. Like. I'd be way more upset if Caleb Williams went to Georgia. Way more upset. <laughs> uh, all right, or Wisconsin? No, actually, that would have been. Uh, no, been I mean, interesting. yeah, Wisconsin. You know, as a Gopher fan, that would have sucked. But yeah, him going to Wisconsin would have been would have been great for the sport. Um, I don't know. That guy, he can get bent. I don't really care anymore. All right. Well, we talked a little Super Bowl at the start of the show. The last thing I, I do want to mention, because it's kind of OU related. I just I was so perplexed the last two snaps of that game. Third down and one, fourth down and one, and the Bengals turned it over on downs. That Samaj P. Ryan was in the football game and not Joe Mixon. I just I couldn't believe it. Uh, it was third and one. They gave the ball to Samaj. He gets stonewalled, doesn't go anywhere. And then on fourth and one, it's, you know, Aaron Donald, beats his man, gets to Burrow, and it's, it's over. And so that was the first thing I thought after that game ended was, where was Joe Mixon? Because he was playing pretty well in that game. I mean, he averaged almost five yards per carry, and he's also one of your best offensive players. It's, it's him and Jamar Chase outside of Joe Burrow. I mean, it's, those, those are the two guys. And so I, I did find some quotes from Zach Taylor, Norman's very own Zach Taylor, after the game because he was asked about that. And so Zach Taylor said, why P. Ryan was in the game and not Mixon. He said, quote, we were in two-minute mode, and Samaje has done a great job. His role has really been as protecting as a protecting back, and a lot of the things that come with that. It's one of those situations where I called the play a little later on the clock, and so I was the one that said, leave him in there. Justin Hill, our running backs coach, asked if we wanted to make a change. I said, just leave Samaje in there. Obviously, it didn't work out for us. Whether Joe is in there or not, he's certainly deserving of the opportunity in a key moment in a key game to try to get it for us as our featured back. Zach Taylor continued, that's just one of the decisions you make in the moment and you've got to move forward with it. There's other things I certainly could have done over the course of the game that would have put us in a better position. Unfortunately, we couldn't get it done, end quote. So I'm, I'm happy to get a resolution. I'm glad that somebody asked him about that. Uh, I And it makes sense. I get it. Samaje was in there, as Taylor said, for pass pro purposes. And I mean, anybody watch the game? Joe Burrow was injured. Like he could barely move. Uh, but I mean, on that fourth down play, the last play of the game, basically, the, I mean, that turned it over on downs. Samaje didn't even stay in for pass pro. He went out on a route. Uh, 
So, like, I get that they were trying to steal some yards on third and one with Samaje in there on that handoff because maybe they thought, oh, they're not going to run it. But the problem with that is that earlier in the game, on Cincinnati's first drive, they had Samaje in on third down and one, and he got stonewalled on third and one. Same thing happened. And then they went for it on fourth down, and they turned it over on downs, and that's when the, the Rams got the ball and went down and scored their first touchdown of the game. So I, I get the rationale to have Samaje in there. Things are moving fast. He's the third down back. Burrow struggling to move. You want him to, to pass protect. But the two plays that he, he was in there, he wasn't pass protecting. He didn't. So it just like, and like Samaje, I'm sure, is a better yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if you're a Bengals fan, I think the, the the toughest thing to swallow here is that it does seem like it was just sort of a whatever thing. It was a, ah, crap, we just, yeah, it's just, it seemed like it was a mistake. That it was that it was the last thing that he thought about. Um, and so maybe, but hey, maybe that's on the running backs coach. Maybe that's, like, maybe that's on the running, say, no, nah, no, we need to have Mixon in here. Like, no, nah, I'm insisting. Or, um. Maybe, I don't know, but, but yeah, I mean, of course. Do running backs coaches have that kind of sway over the head coach? I don't know. I think, I I think on some coaching staffs, on, on some coaching staffs, I think the running back coach does um, control the the rotation. I think that's the case at OU when Riley was there. Um, yeah, but shouldn't Zach Taylor know how much better yes, Joe Mixon no, is I, than Samaje Pirine? I'm not. No, like I. So I'm not defending Zach Taylor. I think this is very sure. damn. This is a damning thing that Zach Taylor is saying. He's he's essentially saying I didn't think about it. That's that's what he's saying. That's bad. That's not good at all. Um, especially when he Joe said, Mixon yeah, is is one of the four guys on your team. Essentially, one of there's four guys on the Bengals team that are the reason that the Bengals are in that game, and Joe Mixon is one of them. The others being Burrow, Chase, and T. Higgins. And I, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, in hindsight, it's very easy to say that Mixon should have been in there because he should have been. Joe Mixon is one of the best players in the world. He should have been in there. Um, you know, at some point these the coach and again like we're, we're not a head coach it, there's a lot of stuff going on but man it i really would like just the mentality of all right man best players on the field try to get them the ball as much as possible like that thought process needs to be more heavily emphasized at times like i think of kyle shanahan like into the season for the 49ers like really all year like he, he figured out that hey debo samuel's my best player and I'm going to give him the football in all these different creative ways. And when the 49ers lost to the Rams in the playoffs, I look back at the box score. Debo Samuel only touched the football one time in the Niners' final three possessions of the game. Boom. There you go. They lost. Like, find ways to get your best players the football. And when you're giving the ball to Samaj P. Ryan on third and one, whenever you got to have yards in the final drive of the Super Bowl and not Joe Mixon – you don't you don't think oh he's my third down back I got to get him out there like no like you get your best players out there man but <laughs> and uh, yeah I can't really remember it was do, you, do you remember this at all crazy. I know they threw I know they threw Joe some like swing passes and stuff he caught like four or five passes in the game did they ever really do a traditional screen pass where they let the Rams no, overwhelming pass rush get upfield and then dump it off to Joe. Not that I recall, no. Because um, you know, wouldn't that wouldn't that be a play that you would typically call in a game where you know going into it you're going to be overwhelmed at the line of scrimmage? Isn't that kind of uh, like I, screens are called a lot? They're a staple in football because they work really well when you execute it. 
Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought, I know, we're going to the Super Bowl again. I just thought both teams didn't play well either. The game wasn't very well played. Um, the Bengals struggled to protect the entire game. Um, every single time the Rams tried to run the ball, it was just, it was unbelievably ugly. The second half had a lot of kind of breakdowns in, uh, in pass protection, as well as uh, I think the, the Bengals punted, I think, or went like punt, 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 turnover on downs on their last five drives. Um, I just, it was, yeah, ugh. game I just, I just thought was not well played. The, the Ram, Rams deserved to win. They were one of the best teams in the NFL this year. Not a, that, not a great Rams team at all. Definitely not. Um, and that Bengals team, I think, is... I honestly, That's one of the worst teams I've seen in a Super Bowl in a long time. <laughs> I mean, oh, that, not, that Bengals team is just that, really that not that good. good. I disagree. That team's, that team's really good. The defense got a lot better. Like, like any, Joe Burrow, Jamar come, Chase, Joe Mixon, and T. Higgins are all really good. Well, the, the defense ended up getting really good when it the defense, needed to. The defense played and well. And that's what's so defense, impressive yeah. about the Bengals. I thought, yeah, I, yeah I, I thought, I thought clearly the defense got hot at the end of the season for them, which is probably the main reason why they got to the Super Bowl, um, because you know Burrow had back to back pretty pretty subpar games uh, in the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl, but um, but the reason no, I think he was great in the he was great in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> he was really good in that game. He was fine. He was fine. Samaje Piran uh, made the made the biggest play of the game. I mean, at the time, but. I mean, Burrow and using his legs and scrambling and picking up first downs and stuff was. I think Burrow's great. I think Burrow is great. I think I think there was. I think people have kind of bitten off a little more they can chew in the last month with Joe Burrow. I think the hype has gotten a a tad out of control. Based on based Uh, on a team that really kind of caught lightning in a bottle, they were they 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 really kind of flew by the seat of their pants the entire season. you know, every every like every team in their division was a disaster with injuries. Sure, I, I get what you're saying. Sure, maybe like talking about how he's you know one of the up there with like Pat Mahomes, maybe or Josh Allen. I I, I think you can have the conversation. I think he can sure. be. Uh, like, Burrow's great. He's very good. I, I I think I think Burrow is. I think Burrow had a better season than Matt Stafford did. So like, don't I mean it's just. But people kind of started to talk about Burrow like he's the next Tom Brady, and I'm just like. Uh, that's that's slightly offensive when Patrick Mahomes is in the same is in the same uh, conference. Like uh, you know, people have just. I guess maybe I, I, Patrick Mahomes is is legitimately like the third best quarterback I've ever seen already behind Brady and Manning, and people just kind of have already forgot about it because well, of no, Joe like, Burrow. I mean, well, the problem with with Pat Mahomes is that he the last time we saw him, he played so poorly against the Bengals, and and Joe Burrow has been doing a lot of really great things and uh what what if he doesn't tweak his knee which apparently it's just a sprain i thought for sure we were going to find out that he had some sort of like i don't know like mcl or acl damage he needs surgery i the dude couldn't move after he got sacked by i can't remember who got the sack von miller and I, you can't convince me that on that fourth down play where the last play of the game where the, he, he got rushed by donald if he's fine, you can't convince me that he doesn't pull that down and pick up the necessary yardage for the first down because the middle of the field's open. The, he um, had done it earlier in the game. Yes, the obvious play call there on fourth and one is a quarterback draw. Spread everyone out and draw it. And but you're and, right, he could. He'd been so he really good at that. Move. Yeah. And he'd been so good at that throughout the playoffs because that's and honestly, like seeing Joe Burrow play as well as he has. What this is dumb, but I I don't feel. I don't feel as bad about that LSU OU game. Any like, 
like, dude's awesome. Like, and he was awesome in that game against OU against a really terrible defense. And it's like, okay, well, at least he's making other defenses like in the NFL and stuff look bad too at times, like with his legs and his escapability. It's like the dude's great. Dude's a really great player. And yeah, him, him being banged up hurt. Granted, I know Odell Beckham got injured and I mean, that probably changed the Rams and I, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I mean, you know, at the, the further and further we get away from that Peach Bowl, the more and, you know, the more and more it, it doesn't sting because, you know, we have, we know what Joe Burrow is. And I mean, is it, is it absurd for me to say at this point in time that Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are the second and third best receivers in the NFL? I think maybe Tyreek Hill would be another one in there that maybe... Oh, that, well, I mean, Devontae Adams. Oh, I'm so, yes, thank you. So, okay, well... Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are top five receivers in the NFL, probably, right? I think Jamar Chase definitely is. I'm I'm assuming I didn't watch much Jefferson this year. I'm guessing he had a good year. Like, he had a great season last year. I mean, Chase, yeah, I mean, they look like they, well, I'll comment more on Jamar Chase because I've watched him a lot more than Jefferson. But, I mean, I remember that last year at LSU in 2019 when I would watch LSU tape. It's like, these dudes, these dudes are awesome. (laughs) They're just so good. And it's translated immediately to the NFL. So good on them. Let's see. Anything else? Anything else about the Super Bowl? Eh. No, I think that's the main thing I wanted to get at was the uh, Joe Burrow clearly was injured. And, and that, that, really, that really hurt them in that last drive. Yeah, but I think the next, that, um, yeah. next big, kind of the next big sports thing is, you know, it always feels like, you know, the NFL just ended three days or two days ago or two or three days ago. But and everyone always thinks, all right, gosh, here's the here's the, the long off season. Man, the NFL is, is, is going is still going to be the number one story in sports going forward. Just wait till free agency starts. I'm, I'm excited about that. Like, you know, I think there's going to be, you know, there was quite a bit of quarterback movement last off season. I think it's probably going to happen again this off season, And that's just going to be interesting. So we're kind of in like. You know, the day after the Super Bowl ends and sort of maybe like the three or four weeks after the Super Bowl, that's that's like the dead period of sports. There's really not a lot going on other than college basketball and then just, you know, your you know regular season NBA and NHL. But, uh, you know, till March Madness gets here, but the NFL is going to steal some headlines before then. I think I've lost Grant. Uh, so, you know what? That'll be a good time for me to wrap up this podcast. That'll do it for this episode this week. Stay tuned to the West of Everest Facebook page for updates on our next episode. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.